I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and was buried. On the third day he arose again, ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. We are beginning a series on the Apostles' Creed. It's called the Apostles' Creed because we believe the apostles themselves wrote it and used it as a profession of their own faith. It is the creed most widely used within the Methodist Church and is most widely known for use in the Methodist Church. It has been used since around 150 A.D., and the early belief is that Christians throughout knew the creed and its profession. Beginning in the third century, this creed was used by those in the Roman Catholic Church at baptisms, and it has been used by both Roman Catholics and Protestants since that time as a profession of faith for corporate worship. We use it here most common in traditional worship. It has been used in Contemporary worship as well, though, through songs like those written by Rich Mullins and recorded by Third Day and Brandon Heath. It's one of the cornerstones for the curriculum that we use here in confirmation with our sixth graders as they explore what it means to be a Christian. Just as the Apostles' Creed offers a framework of the Christian's belief and the tenets of our faith, it also offers a tenet and a framework for each of us as we explore what it means to believe in God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It explores God's love for us as the story of His grace and mercy for humanity is told. Over the next few weeks, we will divide the creed up and see what each portion offers us in the way of insight and understanding to God and our world. This week, we will explore what it means to believe in God. We will then explore what it means to believe in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the forgiveness of sins, and eternal life. And we will wrap up the series on Sunday, July the 12th. That said, let us turn to Genesis. I'll read from verses 1, 1, and 2, 26 and 27. And chapters two, chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female alike. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in their vast array. 
And by the seventh day, God had finished from the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had been doing. What is the most important question in the world? Does God exist? You have to answer this question before you can say you believe in God. In the story of Alice in Wonderland, Alice is walking down a road and she comes to a fork in the road where the Cheshire cat is sitting. She looks to the cat and asks him, which road should I take? The Cheshire cat thought for a moment and smiled his smile at her and said, where do you want to go? She shrugged her shoulders and she said, I don't know. The Cheshire cat grinned and said, then it really doesn't matter, does it? We have to know where we're going before we can decide how to get there. We have to make decisions and determine for ourselves and know if God exists before we can know which road to take in terms of faith and belief. We live our lives very differently depending on whether we believe in God. It makes all the difference in understanding who God is, who we are, who our fellow man is, and what we are to one another, and whose we are. So today we're going to focus on these four words, I believe in God. Perhaps the most important thing we will consider, as I've said, as it affects everything. One of the things that we do in confirmation right off the bat is to begin to explore these questions. Does God exist? And as Methodists, we rely on our, our tradition of using the Wesleyan quadrilateral, the parameters we use to dive into Scripture, to dive into different matters of the world, and determine what we believe. Those parameters, those legs of the quadrilateral, are reason, experience, tradition, and Scripture. So let's dive in. Reason involves using our minds. In Psalm 19, 1 and 2, and Romans 19 and 20, we are told that there is a God simply by looking at the design of things and that we will know it, looking at the design of our world. Consider the argument made by William Paley. It's also known as the watchmaker proof. If you're on a deserted island and you're walking down the beach and you find a watch and it's just there it appeared out of thin air you wouldn't look at it and think oh this is just something that the ocean created you would begin to look at it and say there's a watchmaker somewhere that created this and you would begin to look at different things even the smallest piece of DNA makes a watch like that look simple in its complexity. Blaise Pascal, a brilliant mathematician who uh, designed some intricate calculus uh, formulas, stated the wager simply, I would rather believe in God and be wrong than not believe and be wrong. 
And Ben Franklin himself pointed out that there are practical reasons why believing in God offers us a higher quality of life. Since his time, statistics have shown that those who believe in God and have faith in God have stronger marriages, have better lives and better ways of coping when trouble comes along and perhaps even threatens that marriage or threatens another relationship or you consider a new work path or a change is coming. As we reason and as we use our minds, we can't help but look at the world around us and see God. It's kind of like when I go to the ocean and I stand there and see the majesty of creation all around me and I remember how small I am and how big God is. Often we um, believe in God not because of what we ourselves know, but because what others have told us. Rather than some argument or some rationale or some logic formula, Um, And I want you to consider this example. This is the experience factor of the quadrilateral. If there are two people in the kitchen and they're arguing over whether or not a pan is hot, we can stand there and argue. We could pick up the pan and touch it and see if it's hot, but we could also look and see whether or not the person claiming it's hot has evidence that it's hot. Perhaps they have a burn mark. Perhaps they have something that has let them know that they've they've touched it just briefly and there's heat there and so they know that they need to treat that as a hot pan. Often we look to the people in our lives and we trust their testimony depending on their character and their integrity. I can count many people in my life who have taught me about God. And I know that they tell me the truth because the evidence of God is fruitful in their lives. They can tell me that God has gotten through hard times because God has gotten them through hard times. And when I've seen them go through those times in comparison to persons who didn't have God in their lives, the evidence is clear. Everything we do teaches someone else. In tradition, we often look to historic figures and historic leaders. Einstein himself said, It is absurd when scientists say there is no God. The real scientist has faith. Einstein, the one who found the theory of relativity, who's known for being an an incredible genius, Newton said, we stand on the shoulders of giants. And by this, he means that what we know about the world comes from those who are experts, comes from those who know things. I know that I can go to the Atlanta airport and get on a plane and I can fly to Hawaii or to Michigan or California or wherever I want to go. And I can feel safe on that plane But in part, I can feel safe on that plane because of the developments that Orville and Wilbur Wilbur Wright made in Kitty Hawk years and years ago. And what flight engineers have done over the years, what the pilots have done in their training. 
there's so much that has gone on before us. I can't explain the way my computer works, but I know it works. And I know that when I save a document, it's gonna be there and I can pull it up and I can use it as a tool for my benefit. But it took people before me who knew more than I did to get to this point. I didn't have to start where they did. Martin Luther, John Wesley, John Calvin, these are giants of the faith who stood and proclaimed the word as they understood it. Harriet Tubman led the Underground Railroad movement and did so because she believed God was guiding her and she could look at the fellow people on the Underground Railroad and tell them that God was going to get them through. And if you haven't watched the movie Harriet, I recommend it. Martin Luther King Jr., the leader of the civil rights movement, said that we could take the first step in faith, that we don't have to see the whole staircase. Take the first step. He knew who God is. He had had many people teach him about God, and God got him through, and, and many in the civil rights movement, through difficult times, trying times, because of their faith in God. God was there as their rock and their refuge, and he is here as our rock and our refuge. So again, there are many things that we believe that we didn't find out for ourselves, but which were handed down to us by others. For Wesleyans, Scripture is the primary authority that we look to. And in our tradition, it is the most important lens. We find it um, not through logic or, or reason or experience or tradition or the teaching of others, but through the Word of God and our own interaction with it. It's the most valuable the most accurate source of teaching us who God is. We go to Genesis 1-1, right where we started today. In the beginning, God. The Bible not only testifies to God's existence, but it shouts it. It demands it. It proclaims it. It heralds it as indisputable truth. Theologians may discuss doctrines with different interpretations of Scripture, but you will never find theologians who will argue over the existence of God. Psalm 14.8 reminds us that only the fool says there is no God. Scripture has taught us the principles in these other legs of the quadrilateral. And you could take... Uh, perhaps one leg of the, the quadrilateral that I've shared with you today. You could, you could um, consider it and you could find a weakness in the arguments, but when you consider all these together, you can't argue with this, this widespread proof of God. For reason, Psalm 19, 1 and 2 says, Look at the world and see God. Scripture reminds us that if humanity doesn't praise God, the rocks will cry out. In John 9, we hear of the experience of the blind man, the man who was healed, who had been blind since birth, and they ask him his, his opinion of Jesus. And I love his response. 
His response is simply, I can't say who he is, but I know this. I was blind, and now I see. He knows that he had an encounter with Christ that changed his life. Tradition, the word has been handed down to us from generation to generation. If you're like me, you've heard the word throughout your entire life. And if you're not and you're, you're here today, you're hearing it. Or if you've come to church later on in life, someone has shared with you to bring you to where you are. In 2 Timothy 1.5, we have an example of this. As, as, as Timothy is urged to remember his grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice, who shared their faith with him. Scripture is so beautiful. It's the word of God that speaks to the existence, majesty, grace, love, and call to holy living that all come from God. Scripture itself is a cornerstone. On this Trinity Sunday, I urge you to think about what the most important question in the world is. Does God exist? You have to answer it before you can say if you believe in God. I believe he does. When we go to ask for directions as to which road to take, it'll help us to know where we are going so that we can be guided down the right path. I hope that you will dive into the Apostles' Creed with us in the coming weeks.